0: Wohutal
1: Nazarema
2: The Fanivara Network
1: Salam salam ishtanein Singhai what's up everybody this is Omar Nura. Nura, we're gonna work on your timing with that. We're still, we're still fi- figuring that out. <laughs> that might have been my delay. Sorry. Um, but welcome to the Samoar Network podcast. Um, so we're excited to have uh, Naz here today from the Gender Not Pause podcast. Uh, it's a podcast that I've been listening to quite a bit. I've learned quite a lot from from hearing their conversation So they talk a lot about gender and. And I've really appreciated their ability to take on messy conversations around gender, masculinity, and femininity. Uh, they're productive, and they're conversations between men and women. And just the way they've handled the uh, conversations around Me Too especially, and the role that men can play, have really impacted me.
2: So we're really excited to have Nastaran far better known as Naz, and um, On the podcast with us. Naz is an an international journalist by profession. She was trained at the London School of Economics and Columbia School of Journalism and is presently a journalist at the British Broadcasting Company. Time Magazine has cited the Gender Not Podcast as one of the top 50 podcasts of 2018. And as an Iranian Brit, we're really excited to have her on our podcast, particularly because we want to learn about how to apply these questions within the Afghan community. These kind of conversations have come up in the the last year within the diaspora. And so we want to uh, kind of intersect what the Gender Knot podcast is talking about and have that conversation with Nas today.
1: Looking forward to you all joining. So (laughs) khusham Adid pachay raglast.
2: Almost there, Omar. Almost there.
1: I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) Can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and the Gender Knot podcast?
0: Cool. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so the podcast, it is a weekly podcast where we try to untangle the new masculinity and femininity and how it sounds. Well, I don't know how it sounds. Everyone else can judge that. But how it's set up is that there's me and a male co-host. Uh, this season it's Dan Carroll. He is a comedian out in LA. So it's me and him. And we try to talk about issues that are facing men and women. um, From the start of the podcast, so I started about a year and a half ago, and for the first season, it was just me, but there were lots of male guests and stuff. So from the the start, I definitely wanted men to be in on the conversation, because I think one of the problems is that like women talk amongst women about women's things. And that is important, and it's needed, and I think it's great that those spaces are existing more for women. But part of the problem is that men need to also hear these conversations. So from the start, I was really Mm -hmm. keen on do lots of topics about men, speak to lots of men. Um, and then in season two, I we brought on a male co-host. Um, so that was Jonathan Freeman for season two and three. Um, now we've got Dan. So, yeah, I've always wanted there to be a male voice um, on the show to, yeah, get, get men involved in the conversations. And the reason I wanted to do it as a podcast, so I am a journalist. Um, I've mostly worked in radio, but I do write and stuff. But I think so much of the problem when it comes to gender so I wanted to do it as a podcast because I think a lot of the issues when it comes to gender is to do with sort of how we communicate how right. we talk because often like you know I, and I suppose in sort of people like me sort of educated liberal people blah blah we theoretically agree about certain things like let's treat people equally and let's pay people equally blah blah okay. right we really? agree that you up? But what does that really mean? Right. Exactly. Like, and what does it look like? Exactly. You're yeah. trying to talk to some guy and he like cuts you off or like he doesn't really pay attention. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of where these issues come out. So they've been I think some of my favorite episodes are the ones where I've got into a massive argument with some guy because he keeps interrupting me or I say something. He gets really offended or maybe they say something and I get really offended. I think that's kind of where it's interesting because I just didn't I didn't want to be like just endlessly writing sort of opinion pieces about stuff because like most of the people who read those things are probably going to agree like let's be respectful and let's not discriminate and it's like yeah you know we all say this and me as well like I go on about how like yes let's help men and if you listen to the podcast you'll see I'm really resistant (laughs) to doing that (laughs) so I feel like that's kind of why I wanted to do it as a podcast because it's like let's not be theoretical let's get real and yeah go there kind of
2: Naz, I wanted to ask you so, like, to follow up with Omar. Like, so you're, you are a BBC journalist. This is you have your whole professional life in addition to this work. So, yeah. I feel like in this element, you are bringing in your opinions. Whereas, mm-hmm. as a, as coming from a journalist from the most respected news outlet in the world, like your hat is different. So, how does it feel to wear this hat? Like, was it uncomfortable for you to transition into having this conversation? Because when you're a journalist, you're kind of, like, in this objective, like, telling other people's stories. But in this, like you said, like, you are actually directly engaging with men and sometimes combative men, mm-hmm. right? So how did that feel for you, like, that discomfort? Because that takes a lot of courage. Like, I admire you for wading into that space. I have yet to do that. Um, it felt really good because I quite like it. I quite like
0: arguing and stuff. So So, Yeah, no, no. For for me, the opposite is hard. Like, trying to be, like, really objective and overly respectful and stuff, that's, like, more difficult. So it's like, oh, yeah. And also, like, no, because I quite... I'm quite into confrontation. Not that I think we should have it for the sake of it, but if it needs to happen, let it happen, which is also why I love it if there's a guest on the show, like... If there's a male guest who kind of comes back at me with something, I think that's great. You know, as long as it's respectful and stuff, I'm all into everyone just being super honest and getting it out there. Um, And actually, that's another reason why I wanted to do a podcast, because I think when you end up writing about these issues, aside from like everyone's on the same page and they agree. um, Yeah, I think... Okay, I don't want to criticize men too much. I think a lot of guys are in a difficult space right now because they're trying to be supportive and they're trying to be helpful, but they're not all doing it in a way that actually is supportive and helpful. Um, right. So, yeah. And I don't know what Omar thinks about about, about him being the, the male on the... On the-
1: no, I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, one of the reasons why I really enjoy the podcast and why it is very resonating for for a guy is like, you know, you you take the time to speak with men and kind of hear a lot of that, uh, you hear that piece out. And like, I hear a lot of guys talking about like feeling like they're not heard. So I think that it's a, it's a great opportunity to have that perspective, uh, a part of that conversation. Um, so I definitely enjoy it. But it
0: is tough as well, though, because, um, yeah, because it's, uh, I so we went into this on an episode recently called Walking on Eggshells, which is about, and this wasn't a sob story about me, it was about kind of how I find it hard in terms of I want to be honest with men, but I need to keep them engaged. Um, and I think a lot of people have this problem. A lot of, um, I think a lot of people of colour have this problem and have been writing about it. Um, so I'm thinking of Rene Edo-Lodge here in the UK, um, Ijemu Ulu in the US, like they've written a lot about, you know, being a black person and trying to get white people to listen and how that's You know that's like an eggshell walking thing of, you know, don't offend the white person, and you know it's great they want to make an effort, but then at what what point are you pandering to them? So a lot of what goes on on the on the gender knot feels similar as well, because yeah, it's not a space where it's like oh women are just going to talk amongst themselves. It is like let's get men involved, and so often it is really difficult to be honest, but not so honest you're going to piss someone off, but then. Not being honest is the problem. I, we we spoke to Esther Perel over the summer, and she had said that um, she had talked about how over the centuries there'd been a conspiracy of silence um, between men and between women, and now people are actually hearing what the other side is saying, and that's why everyone's really pissed off. But that's important, because I think the problem is the silence and is the, you know, men and women not being honest with each other. So kind of like you need to be honest, but then I can't be so honest that a guy is going to switch off um,
2: yeah, that's how do you like, I feel like that's a hard balance. Like, how do you know when they switch off? Right. Like, I don't know, like I tend to have conversations with like you said, like s- preaching to the choir with right. like with Omar or, or friends, uh, we may have mutual friends who think similarly, but how is that productive? Right. And, and, um, and I think it gets to, yeah. So like, how do you navigate knowing like at what point you're reaching, like they, you know, talking to someone who's not going to switch off, like there's, are we being authentic if we, it just feels like a lot of work on women's mm-hmm. ends.
0: To- yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have an answer to that because I don't know if I'm achieving that or not. And also like, you can't generalize about like all men, right? Cause it's like right. there's so cultural, there's also a lot of cultural differences and our audience is quite split. So, um, it's, we've got a lot of people in the UK and the US and like. Australia and then loads of people
2: in Germany and I guess all these different cultures have a very different um... can you can you dig into like what that means because I Mm -hmm. wanted to ask you about Afghan culture but before we even get into that you have a transatlantic audience so like how does the Me Too movement conversation look like in the UK in Western Europe versus the US right
0: yeah um I think this is kind of hard for me to say as well actually Mm -hmm. um I think in the UK, we've been talking about it less. Okay. I think it's been less of a big deal. Um, Okay. I wonder if that's because, so this is where cultural things come up. In the UK, we talk about things openly less anyway. Um, It's kind of like a very, it's a very sort of, I think it's more of an intellectual culture here um, in terms of, you might have very intellectual debates with people about politics and stuff, but going into experiences and stuff is not really done. Like race is a really interesting thing in terms of we don't really talk about race in the UK. And it's only recently becoming a bit of a thing, which I find fascinating because like the UK had this massive empire until not that long ago. Right. But that's one of the things. And I think uh, people of color, we all say this in Britain, but like no one really talks about race, you know. Um, yeah. so I feel the me too thing as well. I feel like it's been more of a thing in the U S hang. However, having said that, I don't know if that's also because, um, a lot of this conversation is taking place online. Um, a lot of, there are a lot more sort of like prominent Americans who are online and having this conversation. Yeah. So that kind of makes it difficult to know, um, yeah. because it's like, Oh, is this because this is a lot of these conversations are on the internet and Americans are more, more sort of like, um. They're more vocal, full stop, but also on the internet, they're more vocal. So is that why yeah. we're hearing them more? That's kind of hard to say. I do feel like it's been less talked about in this country.
1: I wonder how does your background as an Iranian, like, uh, you know, mm. Iranian Brit, I guess, <laughs> is, yeah. you know, is that appropriate to say? But um, mm-hmm. how does that inform your conversations around gender uh, and around the topics you discuss on, on your podcast?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's, what, what is interesting, I think when Western countries look at sort of Muslim culture, for example, and they have a very black and white view of like, oh, everything's really sexist, bloody blah, blah. And there is a lot there. I'm not saying it's not. And look, I didn't mm-hmm. grow up in an Islamic culture or community or anything. But um, I think there's a lot of things that are missed as well. And I find... Um, I actually find Eastern culture in general, so now I'm going outside of Islam and I'm thinking of China and India and whatever, they are actually a lot more feminine in many ways um, because it's more about sort of like, you know, these are societies which are all about family, they're all about relationships, um, you know, these kinds of things are very important. So in a way, I think in those sort of societies, women, maybe on paper, they don't have a lot of rights, but they are actually more influential socially than westerners think and yeah their societies where sort of like life is very much about family right it's about yeah. um which is like a very f- female realm you know and i think that also means that men kind of are encouraged to think about sort of family and relationships and things in a way that's very different in the west right um, and i that's something that's very um stark to me like i think western countries are really good at sort of having laws about like you know this is how we should treat women whatever but then you know there's this sort of individualism you get in the west which I think doesn't really benefit women either Um, and I've seen this actually the past few I, I think when you start getting older and you start having relationships and then people get into messy situations that's where you really see it because it's very kind of like I often think women are very much left to fend for themselves um in a way that I don't think happens in Eastern cultures as much. Okay, I'll give you an example. I have a friend. (laughs) She's Middle Eastern. Um, I won't say too many details about her. But a few years ago, she was having some issues with this guy who was really into her. And um, her brother knew this guy and he was kind of sort of semi-harassing her. And she was really angry about it. And then she was really she's super angry about it. And I remember her telling me, she was like, oh, I'm so angry at my brother. He needs to go yeah. break this guy's legs. Whatever. <laughs> which I thought was really cute. Cause <laughs> I was like, she wants like a proper old school, middle Eastern brother, right. He kind of protect her and stuff. And he was all like, he was like saying to her, look, we live in the West. Like, I'm not going to go behave that way. You know? And he was just being really civil with this guy. Whereas she wanted him to like properly defend her and be protective, <laughs> which I thought was really cute, but it kind of did feel like, yeah. yeah, it's a really Western thing. Like, you know, the brother he stays out of it because she's an independent woman and she can fend well not offend for herself she's an independent woman and she doesn't need a man to step in but she kind of wanted him to step in and I thought that was like a really good example of like yeah
1: I could see where she was
0: coming from but he was like I'm not gonna go like break this guy's leg what are you talking about yeah <laughs> and she'd grown up in the west as well but she you know in that moment of need she was like yeah I want him to like be an old school like brother for me
2: yeah I've definitely had that moment too where I was like you guys need to like bully the hell out of this person like yes. we didn't end well and then my brother is being like we are civil human beings that's not how we roll I'm like no 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 no. Oh, live no. in this moment you need to be my gang and like yes you, yeah exactly so totally relate.
0: exactly and also I don't know if this is like a I mean talking about Asia and stuff I don't know if this is like a very like white thing of like oh everyone be civil and sort it amongst themselves well as i'm totally into like no if someone's mean to you everyone needs to stand behind you and they need to i don't know exactly that that collectivist culture it was tribal thing yeah Yeah. but it's
1: it's a good way of like for for men i think like you know i heard someone who was a mentor he was you know uh he's a black man and he was telling me like one of the ways that he talks about masculinity is like that, that is one of the ways to appeal to men. Like, you know, like you kind of talk to them about how it's kind of your role or not your role, but like protecting women, but like protecting women from like other shitty guys, like not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that can be a way to, you know, tap into that a little bit. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 interesting. Um, And I and I wonder, do you. Uh, are you having these conversations with your own, like, family members or other folks in your community, like Iranian community, about things like Me Too, about gender, about dating? Like, how are those conversations, if you're having yeah. them?
0: What is interesting, I I feel like certain – I've noticed certain things more subtly. Like, and okay, so I'm thinking of – you know, the the Brett Kavanaugh stuff recently, yeah. which like even here, everyone was really like following and stuff. I noticed sort of um, kind of like older people, men and women, Iranians, where before, like, you know, where there were rape allegations, they might say stuff like, um, oh, you know, famous people, others try to harass them or they try and get something out of someone if they're famous. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those conversations very much weren't happening they were like, oh yeah, of course yeah. this guy did it. Why, why would this woman go to all that trouble? And that was really interesting for me. So I feel like maybe subtly with our generation, having these conversations, um, the older generation have changed their opinion. Cause that was really stark for me. Cause I thought they'd all be like, oh yeah, you know, he's some famous guy. Who's this woman coming, you know, which is us- what was said about Bill Cosby and about right. you know, a lot of other people. Whereas the tone was like, no, why would she do all of this? Like, That's it's- refreshing, yeah. right? Yeah, it was really cool. It was quite moving. And I feel like that maybe not, you, you know, I don't feel like there were conversations where everyone sat down and was like, let's talk about Me Too. But I think maybe over the years, hearing younger people get really angry at elders about like, no, that's a bullshit patriarchal thing you'd say, you know? And then, yeah, that was that was really eye-opening, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but actually speaking of all of this, going back to like um, sort of this kind of like east-west thing... Um, I remember when the Monica Lewinsky stuff was happening um, and I was like a teenage girl. So I was like, I don't know, 13, 14 or something. And again, that was interesting because I feel like a lot of the Iranians I knew. And again, obviously, this is like a selection bias and stuff. But with a lot of the Iranians, I knew like they were not okay with Bill Clinton being like that. Like, I feel like in the West, it was more like, oh, he's had an affair. That's kind of crappy. Whereas I definitely think the conversation amongst Iranians were like, yeah, but she's way younger than him. That's, hmm. that's you know, he is at fault. And I feel like because the East is a bit more about family and these sorts of things, and, you know, about, like, what is proper and what is improper, I think those things actually are really important in terms of protecting people, you know? Because the conversation yeah. was more like, this is an older man. He should have known better, you know? Right. Um, and I think in the West it was like, oh, they had an affair. What was she doing? It's only now that people are having this conversation of, like, there is a power. Ima- I mean, he was a president, not just an older man, but he was a president. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's only a conversation that's taken place now. I don't know. I feel like maybe some of those societies, like, you know, cause there's a lot of rules about what is not isn't appropriate. Um, the older I get, the more I'm into that. <laughs> just like, cause before, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, there's liberal Western thing of like, everyone's an individual. You can do what you want. And now I'm like, no, when in this culture, they say like, these people should never be alone together. I'm like, you know what? There's like, I'm <laughs> really <you> into that. <laughs> or, like, I know that, like, in some, like in some Western that cities... That gives shame,
2: right?
0: I don't know, man. I just feel like maybe there's a reason why there are these rules that are made. Because, like, yeah. you know, like, cultures and religions, like, they've grown over it thousands gone, of years, please. right? Well, it reminds me of, you know, now... Sorry, I'm on a bit of a soapbox, but you know how in... You know, like there's there's all these like female co work working spaces, um, yeah, in like New York and London, and all these women want to work in these all female spaces, and I'm like, this is so like it's really Islamic to be like <laughs> gender segregation, and I think it's great. I'm really tempted as well. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, maybe these, maybe these like, yeah, maybe like our grandparents were right when they were like, <laughs> just don't miss.
1: So uh, I think what a lot of the conversations uh People, especially after Me Too, right? Like, a lot of people are rethinking their behaviors, their actions, um, and I think for men in particular, um, there, there's, like, this... And you, you had an interesting podcast about, like, men uh, now in the age of Me Too. Uh, and so, kind of based on your conversations and what you've discussed, what do you think the role of men is... Uh, within this movement
0: Mm -hmm. um to call out other men who behave badly Mm. um, and to do something about it and i've kind of seen this in my personal life where there'll be a situation everyone knows a guy is acting badly and um all the women are warned to like stay away from him and you know what I mean? And that, that sort of stuff actually makes me angry. Cause it's like, no, you, you remove that person from that situation. And this, ha- this isn't a new thing. This happens all the time. But I feel like whenever I read about, I don't know, Harvey Weinstein, all these people, what makes me angry is less those people. It's more everyone who knew and didn't do anything about it. Cause exactly. I think all of those people are responsible because you know, the people who act this way, half of them are like mentally ill anyway. Right. So, and this is where I think men have a really mm-hmm. important role because I don't know if I should admit to this, but I think, I mean, I'm not a guy. Omar, you, you will, you will have more insight. I feel like men are more likely to listen to other men about things. Um, so I feel like a guy telling another guy, your behavior is out of order is a lot more powerful. Okay. Maybe women don't like me saying that I'm just kind of being pragmatic. I just, and that's another reason why I always try to have a guy on the podcast because it's like, No matter how many times I say something, the fact is I think it's probably more powerful coming from another man. So there's that. And there's the fact that in these situations, men are less at risk. I'm not saying that men don't get assaulted and stuff, but, like, you know, it's far less than women. So you're in a position where, say there's a problematic guy, um, other men have more power, both in terms of being safe and in terms of being listened to and having some sort of authority. Okay, I know women aren't going to like me saying that, but it is what it is, right? I think that's like the really important thing that men can do is to not let it go. I just, I just hate these situations where like all the women get like warned that so and so is dodgy. And I'm like, why the hell? Like, you know, you know, it's like so and so is dodgy. Okay. We have a scenario where one person is the problem and everyone's like pussyfooting around the problem. It's like, no, yeah. just go in and deal with the problem. And that's, that's where I think men can do the best job. Um, and yeah,
1: I think, so one thing I'm thinking about is like, um, for a lot of guys, and I think I remember this, this came up on the podcast too, I think with Jackson Katz on mm-hmm. men helping feminism, but a lot of guys are like, I've done, like there's, there's these gray areas, right? Like there's, there's situations where it's like really yeah. clear cut in terms of like when so, when a transgression has happened, but there are also these really messy gray areas that I think mm-hmm. a lot of guys are like, you know, like I I've done that or I've, I've, I've I, you know like a lot for a lot of men like we're raised the way we're raised and taught to act towards women like it could be like classified as abusive as as, mm-hmm. as manipulative and, and a lot of different ways and that's just like a lot of the basic 101 of like how to navigate dating for men which is like really yeah. sad but um, yeah. I think for men it's also like how do you say that when you've also maybe been like yeah. You know, done some of these like, you know, messed up things, maybe not like some really, you know, like there's like the really clear cut violent transgressions, but like those messy areas, you know, you've been jealous or you've been kind of, you know, manipulative or these kind of things. Like, how do you, I think it's hard for men to go about and tell other people to like yeah. change when you're like, man, who am I to say that?
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. I've, I've wondered that the past year. Um, some of the men I know have been really defensive about these conversations and I've I've kind of wondered, like, you know, or like you said, like, or they, or I've seen them in situations that not step in and I have wondered, have they done something similar and they feel like a hypocrite? Yeah, I'm, I don't know how you'd navigate that. I I wonder... <sighs> because then this has come up on the podcast a lot as well. Something I and a lot of women are not a fan of is when men have done something crappy and they go and apologize to a woman about it. And it's like, no, no, no. You need to like go and do your work. Like i cause I find those sorts of apologies are quite self-serving. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. Oh, I feel bad. I did something bad. I'm going to go apologize to this person I traumatize. And you know, then I'll feel a bit better because they listen to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder if, say a guy has done something bad and he wants to step into a situation. Maybe that's something he could even raise with the person he's stepping in to warn. Like, hey, I see you're behaving badly. I've done this myself. Mm. I don't know, maybe maybe that can be more powerful because it's not holier than that. It's like, I've done stuff similar myself. I really wish I hadn't. This is why, this is the consequence for me, for the other people. Um, I, I wouldn't like to see you make the same mistake and also hurt other people. I don't know, like, I don't know how you'd find that.
1: So you say that um, going back to the person and apologizing, like, talk, could you talk a little bit about that? You, you're saying, you you're not a fan of that. And I know, and I know you brought that up before yeah. from, from some of the listens. Can you explain to people why, why, why you feel that way?
0: Because I feel like going back and just apologizing to someone, okay, that can be a first step, but you need to like, show that you are working on whatever led you to behaving that way. So these are the ways in which I am trying to make sure I don't behave that way. And like, you know, not just one thing you did once. It's like, I am seeing a therapist or I am seeing a support group or, you know, you need to show like consistently how you are working to not behave that way. Otherwise, just going up to someone, hey, I'm sorry I did that crappy thing. It's just kind of just trying to make yourself feel better about it. Um, and then I think with women that in, in many cultures with women, there is a lot of pressure to be forgiving and to, you know, always see the best in people. And I think that's a really shit position to put women in because a woman might not want to forgive. She might not feel ready. And I think she has that right. Um, and I, yeah, there is that social script that as a woman, you're always meant to take him back. You're always meant to be forgiving. It's okay. Like, you know, I had someone once give me an apology and I was like, you know, this doesn't make it okay. It's never going to be okay. What they did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, it's a first step, I think, but yeah, I, I just feel like it can be really self-serving. And then I know men are sitting there feeling like, Oh, what do we do? We, so we talked about this on an episode, um, me too in Hollywood, which is quite recent. Um, Dan and I talked about this, about how to navigate apologies and long story short, it was like, okay, apologizing is a good first step, but, you know, show what steps you are taking consistently to not behave like that. Um, and in a way this is, and this is also where things get tricky because in a sense, I think men should be having these conversations with each other of like, Hey, I behave badly towards someone. Has anyone else done this? How do you feel? How are you trying to navigate it? How are you trying to be a better person? Um, I just feel like in this woman, I'm not, sorry, in this time period, I'm not a fan of women having to like, you know, console men over their shitty behaviors. And I get it that like guys have been raised by society to act in certain ways. Um, I get that and stuff, but I, I just feel like now is not the time for women to have to like console guys.
1: So one of the, one of the issues or some of the things that I find is like, if the social stigma for admitting that you have done some of these things is so high mm-hmm. that I think it like really prevents men from coming forward about it. Right. Cause it's like, in a lot of ways, you're either a monster or an angel. You're either like a rapist or you're not. And I yeah. guess that, I think that's one of the the struggles that or one of the difficulties is like having the language or to be able to say like, I've, done these shitty things or i've done bad things but also not feeling like you're a monster or also like not having being perceived as you are like a really incredibly awful human being so i think that's something that i always find like a difficulty to to kind of navigate because we we kind of box people in one or the other and there's just like there's not a lot of room for that gray area
0: But so this is interesting because a few weeks after Me Too, there was that whole um, loads of guys were on the Internet, you know, with I did that or I have. Um, And so we had an episode about that, which infuriated all the guys I know and all the women absolutely loved it. It was me (laughs) and another journalist. And we were like... um, can I swear on this
1: podcast? Yeah, go for it.
0: Yeah. We, we, we were like, any guy who does that, fuck off. Like, seriously. Like, you know, mm. this moment where women have all this trauma, now you're coming out with like, oh, yeah, I did that, and here's my massive essay about the time I assaulted someone. Go fuck yourself. No one wants to hear that right now. And then then guys were like, so what are men meant to do? Are they meant to disappear and feel shame? And I'm like, you know, th- this is a bit tricky for me to say. I'm like, sometimes shame might be a good thing. But, mm. you know. There, there's that expression in Farsi where we say, you know, embarrassment is a good thing. Um, <laughs> again, it's one of these these bits of elder wisdom where I'm like, yeah, man, like they had it right when they said that. But you know, if if this is making you, you know, and we talk, Dan and I talk about this in the Me Too in Hollywood episode where we're like, feeling bad about something bad you've done is a really important part of becoming a better person. Mm. So it's like, no, go away and maybe talk to other men about it. But I. This is the thing. It's kind of like guys who they want to be better, but they don't want to feel bad. And it's like actually feeling bad is an important process in Mm -hmm. becoming a better person. So, and then this is where it's hard because Omar, I understand what you're saying that like, you know, these guys, they want to improve, but they don't want to be called monsters. First of all, certain things I don't think should be done publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think guys coming out publicly talking about this stuff. I don't know how beneficial that is. I think... (sighs) And then then it's hard for me to say this because then I'll be accused of your shaming men by saying this. But I don't know if anyone benefits from these conversations. Mm. But it's kind of like... It's kind of like there's a lot of things in life where there's nothing wrong with it, but it's better for it to be private, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a medical procedure, there's nothing wrong with that, but you might not want everyone to see it, right? So these are the things where I'm like, it's cool if like men who feel like that, they can go and talk together. I don't really think men should be coming out on the internet being like, oh, look at this time I assaulted someone. This is, uh, I don't know.
2: Yeah, Omar, how does that make you feel?
1: Uh, About the not speaking in public about it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, I think that's real. I mean, I think how I've learned and, you know, I feel like I haven't been called out by men. I've been called out by women, um, Mm -hmm. about my behavior and it did take, it's, it's, it takes that piece of shame. Like, honestly, like shame has worked and, Mm -hmm. um, kind of feeling that Sense of guilt or the sense of like, damn, I really effed up. But it's like, unfortunately, a lot of times, and in, in my experience, it's on, it's on the, like, it's, on, it's at the expense of like women, right? Like, it's like being told that you're this asshole or whatever um got me to that point. But it's like, it always takes the most extreme response or something like really, really bad for it to like sink in for, I think, for a lot of men. So it's like, or for in my experience, at least, so it's like hard to to navigate that. I don't know. Um, how
2: how would that feel if that was a man telling you? Because we've had, I've had scenarios where a man approaches another man, and what I've heard is, "Oh, man B approaching the the aggressor. You're speaking on behalf of women. So why why not just let the women speak? Why is it a man to man where?" It was like one man holding the other man accountable, but that person, like the aggressor that the man is trying to hold accountable is like, well, you're sp- let-, let me just speak to the women that you think I've, I've hurt. Why are you, so how to, do- that's the response I've gotten from like men when that approach was used. Mm-hmm. And I-, I felt frustration because I agree with you, Naz, I think it should be private. That's where it should start. And I think it's healthy when men have these discussions amongst themselves, but that's one of the responses I've heard in reaction. And like, what do we do with that kind of reaction?
0: What well, with sort of men being like the, the aggressor being like, Oh, yeah. let the woman speak.
2: Yeah. Like, why are you speaking on her behalf? And it's like, that guy saw problematic behavior and that's why he brought it up because he's like, yo, as a man, that's not how I roll. So I'm going to call you out. But it's like, well, I didn't do it to you. So let the person that it happened to speak up.
0: I wonder if it's a case of women being clear about this is what they want. Um, mm. Like being clear that I want the men in my community to do something about this. Yeah. Um, that that could help that situation.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. It's tricky though. Yeah.
1: And one of the things is uh, a lot of, I, I could say like my learning has been, like I said, somebody like took the time. A lot of times women took the time to like teach me. Um, And like recently, I know you've talked a lot about emotional labor and that that piece of like the role that women kind of have to play uh, when it comes to that. So uh, could you explain a little bit about what what you mean by emotional labor and what that how that plays out? Yeah.
0: So emotional labor, I have to be careful because that is like a proper definition, which is something along the lines of the work women do in the economy, like in the workplace, um, that is not paid for, but is very important in terms of keeping the workplace going. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, handling people emotionally, doing any, doing any of the sort of emotional upkeep that's needed. So there is like a, that is like how the, how the term started, it kind of started as a sort of workplace term, but now, um, often we use it in terms of any work that women have to do to, um, handle situations. And, and a good example is maybe, you know, there's been a fight between two people and the women have to come in, make sure that no one gets too offended, that whatever needs to get done still gets done, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, all the all the work women do emotionally to make sure that life goes on. But a lot of it is very invisible to men. Um, and this question makes me realize that maybe I should... Have a better way of explaining it because this is the problem with emotional labor. I think all women know exactly what I'm talking about, and I yes. don't really know how to explain it to men. But Anura knows what I'm talking about. I am explaining <laughs> it really badly to Omar, so I no. feel like men, no, you're no, um, not. Nah, great. I, and
1: I think maybe what I'm trying to get at too is like, I think should men be going to women for like, how, like if, if if the issue or like if if men need to be better about navigating the relationships with women. Um, should they be going to women? Because on one end, you know, it's like, well, that's also just like, why, why is it on the women to teach these men? Like that is that kind of that emotional labor piece that I, I guess I'm thinking about. Like as I've heard that uh, brought up of like figure it out for yourself. But then it's also like, well, I'm trying to learn for women or, you know, to to, to deal better. So I'll like speak directly to the source. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's a difficult thing. I think men sometimes uh, have navigating too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I do feel a bit for men right now because on one hand we're like, you know, get All better right. at emotion. No, I'm just
1: kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is why we've got to be careful. Okay. Yeah, no, I do feel for men because it's like get better with your emotions, but like I don't want to deal with it, which is a joke that's come up on the gender, not a lot about me. Um, I think I think there's a few ways around it. I honestly think, and this came up on our, on a recent episode. I honestly think if men are aware of the fact that they're asking women. This, that helps a lot. So I've had like men come up to me and be like, Naz, I have this situation. Is it okay if I can ask you about it? Um, if it gets too much, just tell me. You know, if it's too much for you to handle, are you okay with me talking about this? You know, mm. and that's kind of nice because it's an acknowledgement that like this might also be difficult for me as well. And often these guys will also say, is there something where I can help as well? Is there a situation I can help you with? Either either emotionally, or recently one guy, fantastic, he asked me this and he was like, um, do you want me to help with the work thing? Because you're better at your emotions than me. So maybe it's not that much of a great trait if I'm offering you emotional help. And I did actually take him up on it. I needed help with a contract. So he gave me a hand. But you know, it's more the nice. acknowledgement. It's the acknowledgement that like this is really kind of heavy work that women do so that acknowledgement in itself helps a hell of a lot because then I think a lot of women will feel like oh okay so this guy he appreciates it and he gets it um and yeah if you add that if this is too much for you let me know then she doesn't feel like it's a burden and someone's going to splurge on her and she's their therapist um and she has to then return him in a state where he's functional. This happens a lot with women as well. It's like when you ask a guy to open up, it's like a double-edged sword. On one hand, you want to help. On the other hand, you're like, am I just going to end up with this huge barrage of stuff which I don't know what to do with, you know? So I think those saying those things to women helps a lot. Um, and because I think a lot of women, we are happy to help men if they are respectful of that dynamic in itself. I think that helps. Um on the gender not we talk about men's groups a lot so we're big fans of this where like men can also get together and talk about their stuff amongst each other and this is the thing i'm not saying that like men must only talk to men about these things and leave women alone i'm just like kind of just be aware of it so like yeah kind of ask women respectfully and also talk to men in some ways i am trying to get women not to be too helpful to men because i think it might force men to have to do that for each other um, and I think gen you know, generally in life, I think sort of, um, limitations can be good. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, when it's that time when you've realized you can't pay your rent and that job thing, you've been avoiding for ages, you're going to have to deal with it. Those are like really good times because we're forced to, to grow, Yeah. which is partly why I'm kind of a fan of women not being too helpful right now. Cause I'm like, okay, this is great. Loads of men know there's something wrong and they need to do something about it. Right. I'm trying to toe the line of be a bit helpful, but not so helpful that they're not going to step up. But yeah. I don't know if I toe that or not. That's a really <laughs> delicate balance.
2: We have this running joke that we're called TSN and that we need a TS men, where the men just talk to one another. And now I think I have a vote of support from you. <laughs> yes, yes. Go. Yes. Just get the men talking to the men. Yeah, but yeah, that I just kind
0: of worry. As soon as women get involved, it's like the the guys aren't going to make an effort, and then it's yeah. Like, I, okay, I'm going to send you guys a tweet. A friend of mine put out a tweet yesterday because she was at a castle, okay. and she saw this tapestry. Um, actually I'll find it now she saw this tapestry and um, I'll describe it it was from like the 1300s and it was this tapestry there were some knights standing around and there were these two ladies of the court you could tell by their dresses and long hair and they were sort of waving their arms about and um, my friend wrote something like even in 1327 the women are sorting out the drama (laughs) 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 something really good um so yeah that, that was kind of emotional labor and then I sent it to a bunch of people most of the guys didn't get it all the women loved it and most of the guys were like what's this about and I was like I don't know some dudes had some duel probably and like the women have to come in and like they have to like sort out the fallout but it was funny that
2: like all the women got it they were like this is great <laughs> That was good. that's yeah. like a sounds like a hashtag waiting to happen because I'm sure they'll like there'll be this a- People respond with other historical moments where that thing. There's a <laughs> yeah. thread of that happening throughout
0: history. Yeah, it was great because in this photo she took, there was like this knight. He was standing there, and he just looked like a bit useless. And you're like, this guy, he's a knight. He goes out into battle, and he's just standing there, sort of like not really knowing what to do. And then there's these two women waving their arms about.
2: Like, and that's like <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, oh, it was great. <laughs> I
0: remember it's 1327 was the year. So I'm like. There is this thing of, like, you know, matriarchal women who, like, sort everything out. But I mm-hmm. don't True. It's quite an Eastern thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a yeah. grandmother figure who, you know, right. everyone listens right. to
2: her. It's, it, and it's amongst in, uh, thinking about, like, race. Uh, black women in the U.S. Yeah. play fit similar role. I'm, I'm writing a journal article on Michelle Obama on the politics yeah. of black motherhood and how she had to subsume. So there is this tension of... But then it is the emotional labor because you're taking on, like, this work. And so, like, this invisible work she had to do as First Lady now um, that now she's writing about in her memoir. But I feel like... No, no, go ahead. Do you think it's similar to, like, the matriarch in Eastern culture or...?
0: Well, it's different because this all feels less like emotional labor because it comes from a place of authority. Like, I always think of, you know, like that grandmother figure that, you know, you have in the East... Yeah. Exactly. It's like from a place of authority. So even though right. she's managing everyone. And I feel now Michelle Obama has that sort of position too. Right. Where it's There's kind of in, Uh-huh. It, it's kind of it's different from the women who aren't being acknowledged and are doing all the work. Right. She's kind of setting the agenda. The other person I've always had a massive thing for um, is Nancy Pelosi. So last week when uh-huh. she was all over the news with Trump I was yeah. quite excited. Because i and again, I don't know if that's
2: you up. I, I just loved how she walked out with her sunglasses yeah. on and I was like boss moment right there. Yes. <laughs> right there. Like a gangster.
0: But I've always had a thing for her. Um and Omar, I guess she's your rep, I think. Yeah, she's maybe. she's
1: from the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from like, But I've San always Francisco had area. a
0: thing. Cause, like I and I don't know if that's cause she's got that Italian, maybe their culture has a bit of that sort of Mediterranean eastern vibe. Yeah, but she's she's always had that vibe of like, you know, she kind of sorts the shit out, but not in a like um the nice woman in the office who sorts things out and smiles. She sets the right, agenda. Right. Like you yeah. know which I think that's quite cool. Yeah. I'd quite like to be like that when I'm older. That's like my dream
1: to me. Naza are we're running low on time. and uh, You know, you're a BBC journalist. So I mean, we got to get you to whatever whatever work you got going on. Um, but we wanted to leave with just any, any last questions. I, I did have a question because mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast and I want to know um, why... Tell me why I'm you hate... <laughs> why do you hate what? male feminists?
0: <laughs> why do I hate male feminists? I don't know if hate is a strong word. <laughs> um, I'm very suspicious of, like, men who brand themselves as as feminine basically okay maybe it's like people who are more concerned with being quote-unquote woke than actually doing Mm -hmm. the work
2: Um, yeah i think there's a,
0: a lot of white people fall in this category too where um so with a lot of male feminists it's the sense that the fact that they're supportive of women is so great and everyone should clap for them and that sort of trumps them actually being supportive of women um so that's kind of, that's my issue. It's, it's kind of like you shouldn't want a prize for being a decent person, you know, just act decently and make an effort. The, the other problem is I think anyone who really prizes themselves on being a great person, it's quite hard to like call them out because it's such a big part of their identity, you know, that I'm a good person. That if you say, hey, you did this crappy thing, can you not do it? It's like such an attack on their identity, Um, I guess maybe, Omar, it goes to what you were saying about someone's either a monster or an angel. Maybe that's what comes about when you kind of brand yourself as, you know, I'm woke or I'm a male feminist. Um, We recently read some of Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility, um, where there's a passage where she talks Mm -hmm. about, she says progressive white people are the most problematic when it comes to race because they are more concerned with... Yeah, exactly. They're more concerned with proving to everyone how progressive they are than in actually doing the needed work. And what she had written... Actually, I have it here. Hang on. Let me find it. What she had written was very much what I think about male feminists. So she says, I believe that white progressives cause the most daily damage to people of color. I define a white progressive as any white person who thinks he or she is not racist or is less racist or in the choir or already gets it. White progressives can be the most difficult for people of color because to the degree that we think we've arrived, we will put our energy into making sure that others see us as having arrived. None of our energy will go into what we need to be doing for the rest of our lives, engaging in, ongoing aware, engaging in ongoing self-awareness, continuing education, relationship building, and actual anti-racist practices. White progressives do indeed uphold and perpetuate racism, but our defensiveness and certitude make it virtually impossible to explain to us how we do so. That is basically what I think of a lot of, kind of men who go on about how they're feminists. It's like, you know say they might do something sexist and it's not their fault because they've been conditioned that way by society. You point it out to them and they get defensive. They don't want to hear it. You're shaming them. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the problem. And I just think when, when these things become part of your identity, then people are more concerned with um, protecting that image hmm. or that label than in actually doing the work. I, it's also generally I think whenever you need to go on about how you are something you stop being that thing I always think of like I don't know if you read a lot of business journals and stuff because I feel like in a lot of that community everyone's going on about authenticity and it's like they're always totally fake as well <laughs> it's like you have to go <laughs> it's on about it a business like,
2: journal yeah, like exactly. All the people. exactly but that's always the,
0: the best example is like all the sort of authenticity business people and it's like do just be authentic. You don't need to like tell everyone about it. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so then uh, my question is like, if we want men to be, um, to have these views, like to be more progressive, um, isn't there some value in like some in some ways, like kind of showing that? Because as like as like I want to be an example or a model for other men, and mm-hmm. so sometimes it's like let me let me kind of talk about this so that you know other men can see like yeah it's okay to say to claim you're a feminist or it's okay to do these things um does that like what about that piece like maybe some men are trying to like you know if 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 men listen to men and we're trying to encourage them to be better and do better then isn't part of that like you know flexing a little bit like yes I'm a feminist or whatever I mean I I know it can go too far but can it also be beneficial as well
0: Yeah, I, I'm a bit torn on this because I wonder if it's more like by action or like, um, instead of telling other guys, yes, I'm a feminist being like, oh, this is how I try to treat women. Or this is how I'm trying to be better. I feel like that's, that sits a bit better with me. Like this is, I don't know, you're a boss, for example. Um, Hey, so I'm really trying to, uh, notice, um, some of the things women get unpaid for in our workplace. I'm really trying to make an effort. I don't know if any of you other guys have noticed anything, if there's things we can learn from each other. I feel like the, you know that's action showing that you care about women's plight. And to me, that, that sings louder than, I'm a male feminist, hence <laughs> I'm doing X in my office. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, Jackson Katz has talked about this quite well. Um, I need to probably go back and read some of his stuff. But it, so he, on our podcast, he talked about, um, I think he used the word pro feminist men.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Which was interesting because he was what like. What does that mean? So it's like feminism isn't their identity because the problem I, that okay, we're talking okay. about is that it's your identity, so then you right, don't know right, right. 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 So he, he talks about how there are a lot of men who are very well read in this stuff and they tend to say they're pro feminist men, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, That's no, I just feel like, with me. yeah. Yeah. But you know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of like having guys be like, okay, so these are ways in which I'm trying to be more mindful of the women around me. I'd love your input. Other people, I don't know, some of this as well. I don't know, Omar, it's weird. Cause some of this is quite personal as well. Cause I just really don't like preachy people. <laughs> 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 like, it's like, you know, these like life coaches who have videos of like, this is what you should do. I find that like really annoying. Um, I always think of, um, I always think of someone like Mark Manson, who we've had on the podcast, like, I think he's great, because he's just not preachy, you know, he's like, Mm. okay, this is some stuff I tried, this is what worked for me, Um, you know, do you know what I mean? There's something about preachy people, and I think a lot of male feminists are quite preachy, and it's like, I don't know, it's just, I find it annoying.
1: Yeah. Sorry, that's not a very self- no, self- I, comprehensive no. response. I think that's great. I think it's like, you know, focusing on the action instead of just like yeah. the identity and, 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 and letting that kind of speak for itself. I think for me, um, I don't know. I, it's really interesting, though, like my feminist views and how woke I am has been really tested now that I'm married. So it's like this is like the true test of whether or not that is. But I'm also starting to realize and like look at other men who just like who just like have like a healthy marriage and like have Mm -hmm. kids and i'm and i'm starting to like really appreciate those folks more and like as opposed to the people who are just like out here like on the streets like protesting or like i don't know like you know those things are also important and like speaking to that that stuff but like just those folks that seem to have like that healthy those healthy relationships you know Mm -hmm. i'm starting to like see that as my role model more than some of the other things but i'm appreciating it now because i'm obviously because i'm married now but
0: that's that's interesting because i feel like um you know what when i was saying like with the east it's all like family and stuff um and that's kind of where a lot of these things perpetuate right it's kind of from our families and communities um so yeah no that's cool it's kind of like you want to avoid being one of these people who like is great at writing articles and being preachy but is kind of crappy in real life yeah like what's the point in that exactly yeah
2: Naz, I have a, on a lighter note, um, Idris Alba, my favorite ambassador from the UK, spoke up about the Me <laughs> movement yesterday. Yeah. And I wanted to know what you thought about his comments. Is this where he says something like, the
0: only, uh, m- men don't need to be worried in case they've done, unless they've done yeah, something crappy? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think he's right. I think he's right. But then I agree, right? But I think a lot of guys are saying that, oh, but we don't know what crappy means anymore um and omar, nods. <laughs> omar nods but i don't know i don't know man it's like you know i constantly come up against guys who are like am i allowed to be nice to a woman at work and it's like if you don't know the difference between that and like you know like harassing someone maybe i'm being unfair i don't know I liked I liked Elba's comment. I thought he was spot on.
2: I mean, he's just like, and it just adds to the celebrity aura that I think uh, all women in the U.S. love him. So he's like, you know, <laughs> the person we want to be James Bond and. Um, but I just, I think it is very honest too. It's like, trust your gut is what I think what he was getting at. It's like, you know, when you've done something wrong and when something feels gray, like, you know, mm-hmm. there's something on your gut and instinct that tells you when mm-hmm. something feels like you are approaching something in the right way. So some people do get defensive because they probably have a nagging feeling that something mm-hmm. in their history suggests that they had a me too moment that just hasn't been revealed. So, um, I just really hope there's not, like, some future allegation where someone's like, well, actually, I worked with Idris 10 years oh, ago and no. XYZ happened. I'm just, like, crossing my fingers that, you know, none of that happens. Most- well, you know,
1: the most like, sorry, the most liked comment I saw underneath that post was like famous last words, and like it was, oh uh, it was like it had like you know the the most the, the comment with the most likes gets on the very top. Like yeah. I was like, oh snap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I I often think about Cory Booker. I don't know how you guys feel about him, because um, obviously I look at him from the UK, but he's quite an interesting person in terms of. Um, so he. Claims to have assaulted someone. I think when he was a teenager, and then when he was at college, he did a lot of work around that. Um, And okay, I don't really know the details, but from what I understand, a lot of it was also trying to work with people in domestic violence and stuff to sort of. It wasn't like a one-off thing. So I find he's an interesting example of someone who, you know, maybe didn't do something great in the past, but kind of made an effort. And I I raise him because he is like a public figure and he's well known and stuff, Um, and it's.
2: And it yeah. shows there's room for redemption, right? Like yeah, he came exactly. out, I think we need those examples to think about because some men do think that once they come forward, that there's no room for return. And, and in the cases, like he took responsibility and right. he actively worked on himself and here he is now as like in this example. So Maybe that's something T.S. men can. Then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also the redemption thing, because th- this
0: conversation comes up a lot. It's And it's yeah. not like a Louis C.K. style of, like, I just said sorry and then I went away for, like, four months and now I want to come out. Like, right. the Cory Booker thing, it sounded like, again, I don't know the details that much. It sounded like something ongoing over several years. He actually, like, did decent work. And stuff like that is cool, man. Like, um, And I feel like his name doesn't come up in terms of, allegation. I mean, yeah, I, I only know about that because of, yeah, I only know about that because of, um, the Kavanaugh stuff. Um, oh, and you're a badass BBC journalist that helps. Well, I kind of did a bit of digging, but then I was like, Oh, okay, this is interesting. But, um, yeah, there is room for redemption if you're like genuine and honest and not being self-serving. So.
1: And I think men need to know that or hear, I think a lot of men, it, it helps for them to hear that or see that because, mm-hmm it allows for that opportunity to come forward and to be more open and honest about that. So um, when we see that, like, there is a way to, yeah, like, redeem yourself or to, like, come back, you know, like, come back to the community, come back to the spaces that you were part of, or whatever it is, like, I think it's, like, important for us to to see that as well. Um, and but
0: you need to that. do your time and feel the pain.
1: I know, I know. That's the that's I'm going to part...
2: quote... Do your time and, and work on the page. I think we need to quote that on the on the, the Twitter time. page. <laughs> now, Do, us, do you have a Twitter handle we can uh, direct folks to? Yes. Um, it's my name and it's really long. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we're going to retweet that out and you have thank you for sharing these nuggets like what we really want to emphasize is you have a whole podcast on this and we want our viewers to tune in to the gender knot and continue because you know an hour with you is not sufficient to get into this so luckily for us there's seasons of you we can tune into to continue but we're so appreciative that you took the time out cool thanks for having me it was fun thank you so
1: much thank you for for joining us
2: Yeah, let us know when this goes out and
0: we'll share it too. So that'll be cool.
1: Oh, you're great. Thank you so much again.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a nice rest of the day. Thanks, Nas.